This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today, we have an awesome guest from the great state of Ohio in... My, yeah, my birthplace. <laughs> oh, no way. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Oh, there we are. Yeah. yeah. So, Hi, all. That's great. Yeah. Hell yeah. Ellie Platt, let me get the name out. And now we can talk shop. Yeah, I was actually born up in Lorraine. So I was oh, born okay. right on the lake. Um, my dad at the time was an Ohio State trooper. And so we wow. we lived in Lorraine. And then we went down. He got transferred to headquarters in Columbus. And we lived in Circleville at the okay. time and then nice. we moved back up when he took a job as an accident investigator with u.s steel he uh we moved back up to amherst and so all my extended family is to actually still oh, okay up in wow. Lorraine, amherst and illyria so oh wow so not far so i'm i'm actually from youngstown yep. so that's where i live and then my office is Warren, so we're I'm about thirty minutes from. I used yeah. to wear that out coming across when uh, when I lived in Morgantown. Um, I would go okay, visit yeah. family, and we'd come up and cut across the turnpike and drive right through all okay. of that. Okay. Yeah. Go. So wow. So you're familiar with this area, this market. Yeah. I wouldn't say the market is much. What I'm familiar mm-hmm. with is the fact you guys can't write workers' comp, which is a ah, huge, yes, huge issue. But you know, the other thing right. that just blows my mind anywhere outside of Florida is, you know, and, and I'm talking about Florida as normal as you can make Florida, not Florida today. I just, <laughs> right. I just can't believe how much volume y'all have to do to generate oh, yeah. revenue. Mm-hmm. Like it's, well, it's a whole different game. So low. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole different oh, right. game. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, the premiums are lower. Also, I mean, we're in the heart. We're in a pretty economically depressed area. So we're heart of the Rust Belt, halfway between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I mean, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Businesses are struggling. I mean, it is tough. Um, it's a tough market for sure. Well, the, the economy's changed so drastically since I yes. was a kid up there because, I mean, oh, steel yeah. ran everything. And we had a big yep. Ford plant. Mm-hmm you know, manufacturing mm-hmm. cars and, you know, there was, there was, um, but Ohio was the first, what was it? Marysville that brought in Toyota or somebody there was, there was a place. Yeah. There was a Toyota plant. Yeah. And then, um, GM forever had a plant in Lordstown right by Youngstown as well. Yeah. I was going to say one of the Japanese automakers came over and, Toyota. and mm-hmm. opened one up and it sort of 
spawned a little bit of growth, but then it just mm -hmm. seems like it kind of plateaued yeah, a little bit. Lights. We have some good things, you know, going on, but it is, it's a tough area. I mean, compared, you know, so many areas will struggle economically just even over COVID. And I think we're just used to it. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're used to not having a lot. No kidding. That, that actually sadly makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so talk a little bit about your background. I mean, I know, I know a little bit of surface stuff, you know, sure. I've admired from uh, afar on social media. So Thanks. I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, some of the stuff you do with your team that I think is pretty cool. And you Thanks. definitely do a really good job with a lot of your branding and stuff. So I want to talk about that, but sort of give everybody sure. the overview of how you got to where you're at, because it's, uh, you know, yeah. from what I can tell, a pretty interesting journey. Yeah, it is. So I, um, so I've been in the business. I started my agency ten years ago. I did not have an insurance background at all. So my first job out of college was in the nonprofit world. I did fundraising, marketing. Um, That's way harder. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, I will get to that. That's true. So I yeah, um, did that for 10 years, got sick and tired of working my ass off for someone else. And somebody talked to me about insurance. Um, so nationwide insurance at the time was um, really buying out a lot of their long time, those agents that are just sitting on the renewals, bought them out. And we're recruiting agents. And so I sat down and had some coffee with somebody from Columbus. And within five minutes, and I knew nothing about insurance. Within five minutes, I just was like, you know what? I'm doing this. Hmm. I had a two-year-old at home, quit my, got my license, quit my job, and um, bought an agency in a really small town. What was it about that conversation that flipped the switch for you? <laughs> um, I think we, both of us have also had that conversation, so <laughs> I'm interested. Yes. I mean, I have it a lot. Anybody that may, is making that leap from, you know, you have a salary and benefits and, you know, um, you know, I think it had just been, I was ready, you know, I was really ready. And I think I saw an opportunity that made a lot of sense. And at the time, really, I don't even think I understood the insurance industry at all, but I just got that own your own business entrepreneurial bug. Like, mm -hmm. I can do this for myself and it's unlimited. And so I did it. I mean, it was a leap of faith. And like I said, I really did not understand insurance when I got into this. I saw the prospect of owning a business, of having something that was my own. And um, once I got in and I started to, re and I realized that insurance is the greatest industry on the planet and that there's renewals and residual income. And once I realized what that was, um, it was my goal to really just uh, go uh, grow through acquisitions. So I've done ten, 10 acquisitions in ten years. Wow! Um, yeah, all nationwide books of business. Ah, so okay. yeah, so we were captive. I was captive nationwide until 2020. So and that's really where I was introduced to people like you, um, David. And actually, my first introduction is one of my producers was watching videos from Ryan Hanley. And <laughs> that's really, I feel like what introduced, and I started, I'm like, okay, this guy's cool. Like I get this. And I felt like we started because in the captive world, as much as I love nationwide and the captive world, I never felt like I had found my people. And, you know, we start. he started showing me these videos and I'm like, okay, like there are people out there doing awesome things. And that just led me down a rabbit trail. You know, I started going to the big eye conferences and then I went to a session with Jason Cass and, just really have made, just met such an amazing community of people. Yeah, it's interesting. I, w I think that um, the the independent channel breeds your ability to be more individual, right? So I don't, yeah. I can't speak, mm -hmm. I can't speak from anything but the outside looking in. But to me, you know, 
from a captive standpoint, I'm always going to go back to what it was like when I was a kid going into to state farm offices because that's who my parents yeah. did business with. And like it was literally you could take one agent out, remove them and put another one in. And it was like the same person, you know, Oh yeah, it's, it's like right, the same right. same systems, same products, yes. same general processes. And, and listen, it works obviously for them. But if you're entrepreneurial, I yes. don't think that you'll ever be able to find you'll, satisfaction. You'll never it. be satisfied. Yeah. And I think the best thing that could have ever happened and nationwide initiated that transition. I mean, I feel so fortunate that that happened. And, you know, through the acquisitions, you're right. I mean, that my biggest challenge has been acquiring nationwide books of business. There, there are so many you know, one time they probably, they've grown their agency. They're probably great agents, but they were so complacent. So we were acquiring these agencies and staff that had systems and processes that were so antiquated and they're not, they weren't used to, to, I think being proactive. And um, so that's been my biggest challenge is, you know, as we integrate every agency we've done over the years, that's been the biggest thing is getting them to see that there's a different way and that you can actually, you know, they're comfortable there, but they're, you know, you're, they can be excited about their job every day. And so that's, that's what I feel like we've done with our team now, but it's been a long, it's been a long road. So when you make these acquisitions, are you bringing staff with them or? Yes. Uh huh. So I have, yes, um, I've done it both ways and it's pretty much, you know, we're in a small, smallish area. I mean, about a half a million people, but so we bring in these, their legacy business agencies, they 25, 30 years. And so it's, was an agent that was, you know, pretty much never there, always golfing. That looked like it hurt. It felt so good. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God. That I just, like it hurt. Did, did, did the mic I didn't think it was that, that boring that you need to try and break your own neck. I mean, no, I wish that people could see what just happened. <laughs> oh, they will did on it, YouTube. And if, you, if you're it, listening to this, go to YouTube. Because that one was loud. Yeah. I'm just sitting here like, my God, my neck is killing me. So sorry. <laughs> Continue. You need to get one Don't of those mind traction. Me. <laughs> yeah. One of those like traction I, I have things. one. I can't find oh, it. I, I, where it hangs on the door, <laughs> the, the doorknob. And yeah, I've got one of those things. Yeah. Sorry. So, Continue. But anyways, yeah. So these agencies are basically, I mean, it was, you know, an agent that's barely there with a usually a woman running the office who's just a rock star and, you know, keeping the agency going. And so a lot of the agencies I acquired were that. And so probably early on, um, I started to see that a lot of these agents that were running the office were amazing. I mean, they knew more about running the agency than the owner. Mm -hmm. And so I think what I pretty much right away was very focused on empowering them. And like day one, I remember one of the first agencies that we acquired, um, the first thing I did is this woman, you know, this agent, she's, she's been in the business for 20 years. She knows more than me. And the first thing I did was, you know, we're going to, we're going to get you business cards and it's going to say agent on it. You're not the girl in the office. You're not, you know, the mm -hmm. CSR, you're an agent. And so I think that's been a passion of mine in all the acquisitions. It's just been empowering a lot of these people working in the agency, especially these legacy businesses where, you know, they, there's somebody running behind the scenes running it. And so I, that's worked for me. So I feel like we've, I've created a team of these really rock star agents that had been for so long undervalued. And I think just the simple act of let's get them a business card. Let I'm going to, I, and for a while, everyone wanted to talk to me. I want to talk to the agent. 
And right. I would see it and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm an agent, but so are you. They can talk to you, you know, you're their agent. And now we're at a place where nobody wants to talk to me, but, <laughs> but. That's all right. Um, they shouldn't want yeah, to. And, and you shouldn't oh, want yeah. them to. Like if it that comes to your goal. desk at this point, it has to be nuclear, right? There has to be oh, something yeah. wrong that you're, that Absolutely. you're trying to fix. I actually yeah. have two thoughts that have been running through my mind as I listen to you talk. Um, I'm going to stay with the thought process we're on now, but I'm going to go back and hit the other one in a second. But, you know. One of the things that we're very vocal about is the underappreciation of women in the industry. We have no Absolutely. problem with that. Mm -hmm. And everything that I just heard you describe it sounds to me like the breeding ground for where we are today, honestly. Yeah, I mean, right, right. you know, uh -huh. the old school, the old days where, you know, you mm -hmm. got the the calendar with the picture of the male agent on the, uh, yes. you know, or he's on the business card or whatever else. And it was all the office ladies that ran the office. Yep, exactly. And to your point, they knew more about how to run the agency than the figurehead yes. did. And yep. they just mm -hmm. never... Never, in my opinion, probably were empowered to do so. So there's exactly. a lot that can be, mm -hmm. you know, in, in my mind, there's a lot that can be garnered just from listening to people who have never had a voice before. Yes. Doesn't mean uh -huh. you have to do everything that, th that they have as an idea and every idea they have is good, no. but uh -huh. just being able to listen and have open dialogue goes so far, I would imagine, yes. into integrating uh -huh. them into your culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think just giving that, you know, help giving them the confidence, kind of reminding them, you know what you're doing, you know, more than anyone else. And so that's been a lot of my focus is in really work nurturing our team members and helping them see that. Um, well, and the thing is, from a self-confidence standpoint, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I've, I don't know if I've ever told the story on the podcast before, but I, I ran the Marine Marathon back in, it was the 30th anniversary. So it's been at least 15 years ago that I did it. And mm -hmm. when I, I lost a ton of weight, obviously I also destroyed my knees in the process. But, um, as soon as I was done, I got back to Florida cause that was up in DC. And one of my buddies that has been a friend for life, um, actually it was Brian Lovell, the guy that was on episode two of the power producers. Was um, that two? It, it that was, was episode two. R yeah. Right so he, Green. um, he, he says to me, look, man, I've been inspired. You lost all this weight. I want to run a marathon, but I'm only going to do it if you'll do it with me. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> I checked it off. You know, there were circumstances around that. You know, I, I had committed to do it without really thinking through it originally. And I'm like, you know what? If, if, if that's what it'll take and I can help my friend, then I'm going to do that. So we trained for it and everything else. And we get about half, we, not about, we were literally at the 13 mile mark and he's like, I'm done. I can't do anymore. I'm, I, I, I've just, I've got to stop. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. You're at the 13 mile mark. You're either going to go 13 miles that way or 13 miles that way. But you're, you're going <laughs> right? 13 miles one way or the other. And we're not riding a, we're not riding a van. And yeah. so we were literally to the point where he had his arm on my shoulder and I was carrying him almost to the finish line. Not, not horribly, but he was shot, man. So bad that the people, the, the golf cart picking up the cones from the, the race were like right behind us. Like they were killing the race course as we were finishing. So we get across the finish line. We get our medals and this goon looks at me and he's like, you know, the difference is between my medal and the guy who finished first. And I said, what? He said, absolutely nothing. And, I, <laughs> right. and so I tell that story because from a matter of perspective, in a matter of public appearance, 
putting agent on a business card just made the playing field level, right? Yes. From a public yeah. perception, mm -hmm. that business card doesn't look any different from the person who's been the office lady, and I'm using air yes. quotes for people who no, can't see right. it, uh -huh. versus the person whose name was on the outside. Yeah. And I think that mm -hmm. we forget that a lot of the time. You know, we create these hierarchies and we make it yes. more complicated than what we should. When in reality, right. um, I don't know if it's to be more self-serving or to make ourselves feel better about ourselves or what yeah. the deal is, but the, the public doesn't know the difference, right? They, they don't, don't, they the don't care. They just want to talk really to somebody who's educated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, that, and sometimes they even think they're talking to me. <laughs> That's usually what happens. But no, they don't care. And I think by those hierarchies, you miss out on the how valuable the everyone in the offices, these the office lady, ladies quote, you know, and you, I think you miss out on them. They have a voice, they have ideas there. I mean, I have gained so my business has grown because of them. And I think by trying to be the person everyone wants to talk to, you'd be you'd miss out on that. And so we've grown because of that. And, you know, especially, you know, with women, I mean, I that's just a passion for mine, too, because there's challenges in general, just as a woman, and they agency, I mean, owning an agency. Um, but then there's an added layer for them as well. But yeah, so I'm proud of that. I think that that's been a big part of where I am today is because of our team. But what a um, simple thing, though, just something like the business card, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. building that that goodwill uh -huh. and that trust and, and empowering yes. them, you know, it well, immediately it gets them to buy, huh? It, it goes to show our perception too, though, right? I mean, let's, let's yeah. talk about just you know, I'm I'm probably one of the least biased people when it comes to, you know, race, gender, whatever else. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, but think about that, man. You know, yeah. we're both sitting here saying this was such an easy thing to do, but neither one of us thought of it, right? Like, you don't right. even. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's some of these things that are such minutia that even mm -hmm. though. Even when you do think you're doing good, you miss out on things sometimes. And I mean, yeah. just sometimes mm -hmm. we try and overcomplicate things and we could really just keep them really, really simple, right? And I'm sure it really helps them to buy into the culture of, of what you're doing versus where they're yes. at. Because I mean, uh -huh. especially if, like you said, they're legacy, legacy agencies and they've been there yeah. maybe 15, 20, 25 years and they've been doing right, things right. a certain way to, you know, because I, I, I've been part of situations where, you know, the company was bought out and new management comes in and <laughs> it, it, it's never, it's never yeah. fun, you know, and, and that's why right. I'm sitting here, you know, with David at Florida Risk. But um, yeah, I, I think right. that you can, you know, doing something just simple like that will immensely yeah, help the transition and get the them process. to, yeah. And it is a challenge. I mean, bring it, when you do acquisitions, that it, it's a big, you know, even though they were nationwide books and were on similar systems, product, but there's different cultures, different ways of doing things. Right. And so just helping bring people in um, to our process is always a challenge. A lot of well, these women were the person running the show. So one of the biggest issues they had was just identity. You know, who, where do I fit now? Right. You know, now I'm one of 10. You know, where do I fit? I'm not the person running the office. So I think finding people, I mean, I love, it's an old school business book, but Good to Great by Jim Collins. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and he talks about, you know, finding you know, you want to find the right people on the bus and then you want to find the right the right seats. And a lot of my last truly 10 years has been finding, helping people find the right seat on the bus. You know, what's your interest? What's your passion? What, how does that align with my, our business goals and our business plan? And um, 
So I've been, you know, trying to build upon what we have. So most of the time I've kept on staff, um, but it is, it's difficult because everyone has their own way of doing things. Um, and, you know, I've always approached it with, okay, that's your way. That probably worked great. This agency over here, they did it this way, but this is our way. And, and, you know, we're going in this direction over here. So it's, it's hard. I mean, the, it, I've run into lots of issues, but I, um, you know, it's a challenge to do that. But for the most part, we've, everybody's gotten on board and we've, you know, we keep moving. Um, but it is hard. It's hard when you, you're, you're used to doing it a certain way. Mm-hmm. So the other comment that I was going to make is I listened to your 10 acquisitions in 10 years thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't want this to sound wrong by any stretch because it, it's not, it's not a shot, but I'm sitting here in my mind thinking, you're buying leads. I mean, oh, because yeah. these agencies have not been run right. And I'm just sitting here thinking, cha-ching, cha-ching, no. cha-ching. You know, and if you, no. and obviously you've gotten better over 10 years, I'm sure, in how this process goes. But, mm-hmm. you know, I have to believe that these investments are like doubling, tripling in value oh, like yeah. very, very quickly. Yeah. Just by yes. having a process behind rounding accounts and handling handling people the right way. Yes, absolutely. It's, um, I mean, our main activity in our office are, is account reviews. I mean, so that drives everything that we do in the agency. And yes, I mean, this doing the acquisitions is the best thing I could have ever done, um, especially because in a year I will be completely paid off, paid in full on wow. all of them, which is a nice. beautiful thing. In one year, this time next year. I'll be buying everybody dinner. Um, But um, so one I love um, Kelly um, agency performance partners has been an awesome partner for us and a coach for me. And so we've, we've policy review account reviews has always been part of our process, but um, we've, we've recently adopted her process the last couple of years. And um, it's funny how, you know, I can, I can preach this as long as I want, but when an outside person comes in, you know, everybody's, you know, ready to adopt it even more than, but I I think, yeah, there's so much opportunity within our book. So we're, you know, we're 80% personal lines. Um, Nationwide was never really um, competitive with commercial, but at one of our, our, my focus the last few years has been commercial lines and, and building that. Um, but a lot of our growth has just been right within our book of business. Yeah. I have to um, believe. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just, you get to a certain size and it just self-sustains. Um, but we're also proactive. I mean, we're big, we reach out, we're, I mean, big on technology, like a lot of, you know, like you as well, but technology automation, doing as much as we can, um, you know, too. we, I love, you know, Facebook, we can dump emails of our current clients into Facebook and do targeted ads to them. And, um, we do a lot to reach out to our current book. Um, does get me every time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I have a whole closet full of stuff from Facebook <laughs> God, targeting. Absurd. As so, my wife. so obviously the, the 10 acquisitions in 10 years is, is substantial. I'm, I'm sure you've picked up, you know, a few tidbits of knowledge across the way. You know, what mm-hmm. would you say has been from, from number one to, to number 10, you know, acquisition, um, what, like what's been the biggest lesson you've learned? Oh, um, so, I mean, like, and like we've already said, just listening to your team, um, working with them. I think sometimes 
especially I'm, you know, entrepreneurial and I have certain ideas and not being so stuck to, I think really listening to the team and the people you bring on, I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, reaching out, I, I've learned this from Billy Williams, which I'm, you know, I'm assuming maybe he's been on here, but um, just really identifying kind of high premium clients. Um, and so we are very proactive in reaching out to them. Um, so, cause again, I mean, doing these acquisitions is all about retention. So that's been our main focus is getting system and process in place. Um, so, and that's it. It's, you know, you can't, I mean, with all the acquisition, everybody was doing something differently. And so we have been relentless with system process, um, time blocking, just getting everybody on the same page and, it's it, and, and staying the course, you know, because it is hard when people are everybody's doing something a different way, just from a simple endorsement or you know any. Um, so that's been a big thing, but also just find. I think the biggest lesson I've learned is just finding a community and a team. I mean, just from different groups like IAOA or I'm in mastermind groups where I learn so much from what they're what everyone else is doing. But the big thing too is doing what works for you. I think that's been because in the last couple of years, I've just jumped in so much to the independent world and you can, I mean, there are so many different technologies, agency mm-hmm. management systems, CRMs, all of the stuff that's out there. It's overwhelming. And I think you have to really look at where you are and what works for you and build upon that. Um, so if anything, you know, I think any mistakes I've made have been kind of grabbing on a different technologies that I thought, you know, made sense because somebody else who was successful was using them. But, you know, you got to do what works for you. And just building on our strengths and what we do well. I mean, I didn't have an insurance background. And, you know, when we look at we're mainly personalized, we're a community based agency, and we're, we're building on that, you know, I might look at David, you know, what he's doing. You know, that's not, you know, maybe one day that we can focus on middle market, but that's not, that's not where we are. You know, that's not our strength. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, and that's, that's the whole thing. I think it's cool that everybody can have a different focus on what they're going after or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And what works, what works here for us in the exact geography we're in and everything else Mm-hmm. There might be some sales concepts and things that we talk yeah. about that translate, but to be able to just say, I can take what we do here and make it cookie cutter in every single place across right. the country would be a horrible misrepresentation. Yes. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I deal with a lot when people come into Killing Commercial because I have to explain to them up front. People, there's a conversion factor, right? Yeah. So something that's a quarter of a million in premium here might be a hundred thousand in Ohio on yeah. on that mm-hmm. middle market account. Yeah. But what you have to remain focused on is that if I have a, a component parts manufacturer that does fifty million in revenue, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter where it is. The operational processes for that company are the same, True. regardless of where they're yeah. at in the country. True. Uh-huh. So quit focusing on the insurance. The the insurance. Honestly, you know, the only that, that's the funding mechanism for how we get paid at the end of yes. the day. If you yeah. focus on that in the process, you're going to get really, really discouraged if you're looking at people. That's why so many people that I see posting in the internet groups are like, I'd love to get my Florida non residence license. And I'm thinking, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, do you have any idea what it's like to have to deal with this every day? People see premiums and think it's awesome, but I bet the hourly rate is probably much lower, honestly. (laughs) You know, but 
if you don't focus on the premiums and you focus on the problems that these businesses have yes, and being able right. to solve them, that is applicable mm -hmm. anywhere in the country. And I think yeah. that's, that's one of the things, you know, th that's one of the curses of the internet is because we want to keep, by the way, Epic, um, Super Bowl commercial with, I, I just finally put all of that together because there was so much noise during the Super Bowl where they had Rashida Jones, Leslie Jones and Tommy Lee Jones mm -hmm. for keeping <laughs> up with the Joneses. Like I, I thought I was brilliant for finally figuring out what that was when I was laying in bed, you know, with COVID watching TV. And then I realized that, yeah, I should have figured that out the first night. I didn't put two and two together. That, I was like, that was Joe a Trump Jonas? commercial, right? Yeah. I'm like, what's Joe Jonas doing in this commercial? Then I finally realized everybody's last name was Jones. So yeah, not the go. sharpest knife in the drawer always. We'll give you a break. You had COVID. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah. and, so let's, COVID. let's talk a little bit about, um, specific things around culture, right? So, yes. and I'm interested in, as you've done things to empower people and build the culture in your agency, how much of the skill set from when you were in the nonprofit world transferred over to help you, yes. help guide you right. in that process? Because I, I have a right. feeling very substantial. It's complete. Yes, absolutely. It completely transfers. Um, and, you know, that's been my focus all along. You know, there's this an old school book, Strengths Finder 2.0, um, you know, and it's about built really building upon your strengths, identify, you know, and, and that's, I think one of my strengths is, is building culture relationships. And so um, that's what I've tried to focus on more than anything. And um, it definitely transfers. I mean, that was one of the reasons why Back and you know, back when I started the agency that Nationwide reached out to me, it was just from just relationships, the relationships that I had in our community, and so um, yeah, it's. I mean, I think it, it especially in the nonprofit world, um, a lot of what I was doing was just community networking, meeting with people, and um, one thing I've really tried to do with our team is not just. I think so many, especially in agencies, probably our size. They, you know, the agency owners, the face, are the one that's out there. Mm. And so I've really worked hard to, again, empower our team so that they're out there. You know, that they're in networking groups, they're doing different things. You know, they're finding, they're finding what their passion is. You know, and I think that's been one of our one focus I've really had. Um, I think Ryan Hanley has said this before, maybe on your podcast, that you know, one of his goals is that he had, has people working for him that are millionaires. And I love that because that's exactly how I feel. You know, I, I want to be able to look around. I would feel good one day if I looked around and there were other agency owners in our community that used to work for me one day, you know, and that's been my main focus is putting people in a position where they know that, that they have the confidence that they can do the same thing. And it's just amazing what happens when, when you put people in that position and how successful, you know, they've, that they've really helped make our agency successful because of that. So, I mean, that's, I think that's definitely transferred. I've worked, I've had great mentors. I had a great boss um, back in the day that sort of took a similar approach, you know, that, so I've tried to do the same thing with our team. You're never going to lose when you invest in the people on your team. Yes. Ever. Yeah. Right? I mean, and you might, and you know what, you may, in there, it may have, you may, um, I've had a couple of situations where I didn't feel like, you know, it, um, 
you know, where it wasn't received in the way I wanted it to, but most of the time, but that doesn't matter. But I would argue that you didn't lose. That person lost out because they didn't receive Uh the information right. You probably slept well at night knowing that you had invested in that. I mean, I go back to my early days in the grocery business and one of the things, I mean, I'm pretty open about the fact, and there's a lot, quite a few people, honestly, I'm shocked that listen to the podcast that used to work with me in those days. Like this is completely irrelevant to where they're at in life now. I guess they just missed my voice. But, um, <laughs> you know, my, my first store was in a horrible neighborhood. It was economically depressed. There were many single mother families. And, you know, I would have people come in that, you know, it, it doesn't even matter that, you know, age wise, because it ranged anywhere from somebody who was their first job in high school to people in their 40s and 50s that were coming in. Almost every single time they had no idea how to even open a bank account. So I made a relationship with the banker across the street Mm -hmm. and I went to the banker across the street every time somebody came in and I helped them open a checking and a savings account for their direct deposit. I -hmm. took the time to educate them about 401k and compound interest and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. Was that in my job description? No, not if you follow the letter of the law of what's actually in your job description, but I feel like, you know, if you take the time to do those things, you're making emotional and mental deposits into somebody's, Mm -hmm. you know, life that are going to end up paying you back at some point. And I'm not, I'm not advocating that you do it with the intention of getting something in return. I'm simply saying that people remember that stuff. And I have, I'm, you know, social has been pretty cool to see because, you know, some of the people that were 16 years old are turning 40 now, you know, and it's just like, holy cow. I remember when you stumbled in the first day with your pants around your knees and I sent you out the front (laughs) door, go change and come back. And, you know, but some of these people are, you know, hundred thousand dollar plus earners and and several of them are actually location or district managers in retail. And, and I don't take credit for where they're at. I take credit for recognizing that they had that potential, right? You saw that. Yeah. I saw Mm -hmm. that they had the ability. It was theirs to go get it. I gave them a vessel in as much direction as I could, but I think Mm -hmm. that we fall short in that, man. I mean, look, I get frustrated, right? I get frustrated with Kyle because, you know, (laughs) Kyle will call me and um, I will know that he looked at my calendar and found the one sliver of 15 minutes that I don't have anything scheduled for the, you know, in that afternoon, which is exactly what he's supposed to do. Right. And that's when I was planning on trying to scarf down my lunch. And so, you know, I'll get irritated when I see the phone ring and I'm like, crap, let me. And so I'll, I'll pick up the phone and obviously, you know, answer him. But, you know, it's, I think it's a natural reaction for us sometimes, you know, when we have people who, who truly do have questions and need us or want advice or whatever. Sometimes we get frustrated with that when, when we shouldn't. And I yeah, think that, right, that, right. When they're doing exactly what they should be doing. And I it mean, shuts them down, right? Because so yeah. if I pick up something like, what, what do you want, man? Which is actually what probably want? what I, probably which, how I answer it half which the time. definitely yeah. happens. What do you want? <laughs> but it, it's more, it's more in a joking way, everybody no, listening sure. to this. But, well, you know, if I, I, pick- I remember early on, like, so I would, some of my, um, this happens all the time. Like I'd have these great, you know, energetic, eager, you know, agents and they would say, whatever you need, whatever you need, let me know, I'll do it for you. And I would say to them, no, wait, hang on here a second. You tell me what you need. Here are your goals. You know, here, here's where we're moving. Here are your goals. Now you tell me what you need and I will give you the support that you need. And I think sometimes it's hard 
and especially, I could think maybe it depends on the area you're in, but in our area, I, I just don't think people get the concept of, you know, here are your goals, go for it, you know, and let me support you along the way. And so that's I think what it's you that want. old I want, school mentality. I want the agents, the team members that are hounding me, that are on me telling me what they need from me. Like what do, like I do, we, you know, we are our social or video that we do. It's not, it's actually not a favorite thing of mine to do. It's probably the last on my list, but I, we hired a marketing person. It was one of the best investments I've ever made. And she is on me. She's on me on Sunday night. Where's my video? Where's my video? (laughs) (laughs) And I need that. Like, I know that that's not a natural thing for me to do. So I needed someone on our team to tell me she knows her goals. She knows how many we need to do a week. She knows what we need. And so she's on me. And I like that. Like, I appreciate that. Well, that's what you're paying her for, right? And then yeah. I, so I'm the type that I will pay some, like David Lefevre. Oh my gosh, that he can get me going from zero to a hundred, <laughs> like just snapping the finger because he's the guy that programs HubSpot for us. And oh, yeah. so, you know, I'm of the mindset, hey, make it do this. And I explain it. Well, he wants every intricate detail about every piece and part. Yeah. Then he wants me to review it once he's built it. Then he builds it and wants me to review it again before he sends it live. <laughs> right. And it's just like, come on, man. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it, this is why agencies struggle. I mean, in, in all seriousness, yeah, I have the mental true. fortitude to overcome that stuff and just say, no, I know yeah. this is what I have to do for right. us to get better. So it may not get done at exactly that second because I've usually got like eight other things that I'm working on. But Mm -hmm. I think that many of us hit that point where we just say, you know what, I'm screw it. I'm over this. You know, this is driving me nuts. I'm not going to spend any more time on it. And then we wonder why we're, we're stagnant in growth or whatever else. And so again, you know, that's, that's one of my shortfalls is I just, I'm so spread thin and it's the worst (laughs) that it's probably ever been right now. Thankfully it's cleaning up. We're bringing my oldest son's coming in to take a huge amount off of my plate just on the, uh, on the marketing and stuff. He'll be able to handle all of the podcast, social publishing, editing and the videos and do blog posts for us and all of that. So I'm excited about that. But again, you know, mm-hmm. he's learning, right? And if yeah. there's, he's the closest to me of anybody in the organization better, at right. this point. <laughs> so it's easy. I'm, it's, he's the easiest for me to lose my mind on. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, for the last two months, for probably two to three hours a day, every single day, he's been sitting at my desk with me. I'm teaching well, him how to use... I'm teaching him how to use Premiere. I'm teaching him how to, you know, do all of these things. And, you know, I sat down um, in this process and I made him a checklist of just every single thing he needs to do just to get a podcast completely done. Yeah. And when I saw what that looked like on paper as bullet point instructions, I'm like, holy crap no wonder i don't have time because i do it all myself you know i'll get in at like seven in the morning and from seven to nine i'll do nothing except things that 
honestly, I, I don't want this to sound wrong, but they're way below my pay grade. That's not, I mean, yeah. that's not I, what I should be doing. I should be leading yeah. producers and growing the organization, not sit here being Johnny video editor. I mean, if right. I was going to do that, I'd just go Didn't get a Laura gig LaPresta on Fiverr. Didn't Laura teach you anything, man? That's the high priority task time, dude. <laughs> I know it is. Yeah. That's up to well, my high priority I, task. I hired an, um, we, we call her our operations coordinator, <laughs> but I hired a solely admin person and she does all the things that fall, end up would fall in my lap. She handles and it's been one of the best marketing and that, which you don't in an agency. I think we focus so much on producers and account managers, but um, it's really been, been amazing to have somebody like that. So you brought a marketing person in. One of the things that I think I remember seeing you post, and I think Cass actually highlighted this in Mastermind too, with some of the stuff you're doing with your client welcome kits and some of the yeah. the branding things you're doing. Talk a little bit about that. Because I mean, that's something that we, you know, I think we do a really good job of. And I always mm -hmm. like to see the, op the the ideas that other people have and was very impressed with, with what I saw. I mean, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't remember specifically what yeah. I saw, but I just <laughs> remember looking at it and saying wow that she's doing a really good job with that so yeah I think just finding people so I like to work with people locally I mean I know there's so many resources online Same. like I've used Fiverr no. and you know I've done all of that but I think finding good people locally and um bringing them on our team even just in a small capacity just even 10 hours a week five hours a week making them part of our team um and so we've done that with graphic design I've, we have a marketing person. She gives us about 15 hours a week, which is all we really need. Um, and so I do like to piece things together locally and then just um, using our team as much as possible. I mean, everyone has their regular jobs, but everyone has like an interest in something they'll focus on. Um, so for instance, we have one agent in the office. She does stories every day. She'll do Instagram stories. It could just be something fun in the office. And it kind of breaks up her day. It's something fun for her to do. Um, so we would do that. We kind of, we do piece it, we do piece it out a lot within the agency based on people's interests and what kind of excites them every day. I think it's important to keep that stuff local. We do the same a hundred percent of the stuff that uh -huh. we have produced. Now it is cheating a little bit since Tarvis Tumblr is local, you know, to yeah. us, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Um, you know, as far as all of the t-shirts, all of the podcast stuff, the only thing I really outsource is the artwork for each episode of the podcast. Yeah. I do that on Fiverr because I don't uh -huh. know anybody local to do that, but you know, I've, I've built a network just from my kids playing little league sports. You know, there's so many moms that are yeah. sitting in the stands. Like yeah. that's how we started with our, our, uh, stainless mm -hmm. tumblers that we have decorated. And then Lindsay, right. who does literally everything now, I mean, basically does everything. Everything. She does t-shirts, she does monogramming, she does the the polos and all of that. I guess our boxes we get, you know, I have to order those from a box manufacturer. We don't have somebody who will do that. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot no, of power in keeping it local. Yeah. Right? And just also your network. I mean, it's so for instance, the person that does our marketing, I met her. She's a local real estate agent. So personal lines, real estate agents are important to us. Right. And so I was watching her. She started a podcast called Homes and Hops. And so she loved breweries. And so she would focus on how breweries helped 
impact the local real estate market. And she would do a podcast. Hmm. It was it was awesome. It was this amazing podcast. She was just doing it for fun. And I was like, listen, like you're doing such a good job. Like, you know, why don't, you know, I'd I'd co-host with her every once in a while. And then I'd, I said, why don't, would you be open to doing this for me? And so that's how I met her. Just basically looking around your area and seeing who else is doing something awesome, you know, and, and helping you know, align with them and connect with them. I think collaboration is huge. I'll tell you the other thing I found out from Little League Sports and sitting in the bleachers is there are a lot of moms here yeah. that worked at insurance agencies that left yes. to have kids and now want to come back when the kids start to... going to school. So like I've, got a, yeah, I've got a <laughs> pipeline. I, I literally have a pipeline like five or six deep that I yeah. know are coming in over. The, they'll, they'll be ready to roll over the next probably... 18 to 24 months. That's be- awesome. Because that's of- my biggest, that's my biggest challenge. I, ma- I imagine it's everybody's is we, I mean, I'm at, I need at least two people right now and it's, it's almost impossible. I like, we're trying to push it this week hiring and it's been a challenge. Um, it, I feel like everybody's everybody advice, in every industry has said that every industry, <laughs> it's everybody, it, which it's, blows my mind. Like yeah. what's happening to our economy? Like what? It doesn't even make sense to me. It's, <laughs> no, it's gross. Yeah. It doesn't. I know like one thing we're dealing with, a lot of the people I'm interviewing are working now for some of the large carriers. So like Progressive or Liberty Mutual working from home Mm -hmm. in Ohio for these carriers. And my challenge has been salary. Like we can't, I think we pay pretty well and have good benefits, but we're now competing on a national scale. It's ridiculous. It it is really, really bad. Ridiculous. Yeah. And then also, how do you, how do you bring in, let's say we, we're going to pay that much. How do you bring them into a team with other people that aren't making that much? Well, and then how do you equalize it when the market conditions change, right? You know, and they're all of a sudden, they're not worth what you're paying them. And that's also not the going rate anymore. And Mm -hmm. and that's a big problem. You know, I hear it literally every single day from all of my friends that their people are getting picked off left and right from Willis, Aon, Marsh, whoever. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and you know, I don't, I'm not overly concerned about losing anybody here because we're completely flexible with work hours, yeah. everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, my account executive that handles the majority of my book of business, when she came on board, she said, I could only work from seven to two thirty because of my kid's <laughs> school schedule and I can't yeah. find a job. And I'm like, Okay, why is that a problem? Like I can, is you know what I don't right. want is somebody. Well, here's my availability. I can work from seven to four on Mondays, two to six thirty, yeah. and on Tuesdays mm-hmm. and Thursdays. If you just say, look, I can only work seven to two thirty. I can plan around that, right? I can plan yes. around that all day. How right. much really comes in between two thirty and five? Right. That right. I can't just cover mm-hmm. if there's something that needs to happen for me, or we can't just off you know hand that off to somebody else. You know. Yeah. But I think that again, we're forced to we're forced to think that way too. Yeah, right. You know, but I'm also the- just selling culture. You know, because we are these people working from home for Progressive. Like I've talked to somebody last week. She's literally sitting there with a she has to have a cup of water right next to her. She doesn't get bathroom breaks. She's getting one call after another. You know, so if we can sell our culture and what we the team we have, the fun we have, you know, then mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that wins out over pay. You know. But so how do you handle that during COVID? How do you how do you build the culture? Because I can tell you we're basically a hundred percent remote at this point. 
Yeah. And I think that's difficult. I mean, we did, we did a decent dinner at Christmas time and you know, I committed Mm -hmm. to trying to get out and do a dinner like that at least once a quarter. It was good just to hang out with people and their spouses and shoot the breeze and not be constantly dealing with insurance crap all the time. So it was a, it was a a great time, but COVID sort of prevented that. I mean, I'm interested because I don't, I'll be honest with you. I did nothing. Like I did absolutely nothing to try and build culture. I, I tried to hold on with a, you know, white knuckles to, to get yeah. through this whole thing. Well, so. especially in the heart, you know, when it first happened, you know, those first few months were scary. Like who knew, you know, what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're back in the office. So I, we actually had five office locations before COVID. And so we've since over the last two years, our, my goal has always been to consolidate into one. So we have, um, we've closed three. Um, so we'll, we'll still always have two, but um, we have a building right now we're renovating, but we are back in the office and um, we weren't open for a while, weren't open to any clients, um, but it is, and it was hard. So we operate on teams, um, which probably a lot of people do. So, you know, just even that was helpful. I mean, we did regular, just regular calls, um, but it was hard. I mean, it was, I mean, those first few months were definitely hard, but once we got in the back in the office, you know, we, and we do as much as we can to, you know, we, to do, we do pretty regular get-togethers and we try and do things that are fun for everybody. Um, A lot of that, I don't even drive. Like I let them, you know, our team, they kind of decide somebody recently came up with festive Fridays. And so every Friday they wear something different. So like, I think last week recently was like nineties, like you had to dress nineties themed or something like that. So it got to, we were doing it. It was only going to be for a few weeks. And it got to a point where I was like, I think it looks like guys were having too much fun, (laughs) but, but they, you know, so we are in the office, we try and do fun things. Um, but we're super flexible. We actually didn't change our office hours either. So we cut back hours, like a lot of people over COVID and I decided, you know what, we're not going to go back. So we're only open nine to four Monday through Friday and I'm going to keep it that way. I mean, so really everybody's work schedule is less than 40 hours a week and we still can accomplish the same thing. You know, we, we operate a lot by KPIs. So if they're still achieving their goals, if they have to stay late one day to achieve a goal, then they will. But for the most part, we work less than 40 hours. We're like 35 hours a week, everybody, which is, you know, you would think that seems crazy, but you know, who even came up with 40 hours a week for right. accomplishing our goals? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I, I really don't care when people work as long as it's I getting done. Yeah. And that's as long never as we have coverage. Yeah. yeah, that's never been a problem, you know, from my, my standpoint. It's honestly kind of funny because it's the people that are used to working in a normal, rigid office environment that can't get their arms around that. Yeah. Right? They, they, they just they can't handle uh-huh. they they just like my account it's executive. Just, will, it's just programming, will, you know. She'll go yeah. nuts. Kim will Kim yeah. will go absolutely nuts you know to let me know i'm gonna take this time off and this time off i'm gonna do oh yeah and, and i'm like, I'm like I don't you know care. I, I don't it doesn't it doesn't matter you don't have it's to more rep- of a hassle like tracking pto correct more of a hassle it, it really is like i just don't don't tell me yeah i'm, <laughs> but, I'm with or, you yeah just but it your is, shit you know i love the unlimited pto concept but that's one of those things their brains will explode like they can't get i like the idea but it's hard for our team to get it so we do have a tracking system but i'll t- i haven't even never even looked at it like we have you know we use we have a cape some software that we track our kpis and we can track pto time but it's not important to me at all um yeah so but yeah so i think our team just also giving them opportunities to 
um, especially because we're so retention heavy and account reviews, giving them time to be out of the office. So um, everyone finds a networking group, whether it's BNI or a chamber event. Um, I have everybody going out as often as, you know, just to, so they can get out and meet people in the community and they're not stuck at the desk all day, which I think helps. Mm-hmm. So here's a question for you, and we'll probably wrap up th- with this one. But again, sure. I pay attention to everything on social, and I know you have, based on what I can see, a really good relationship with your son. Yeah. And I'm interested, <laughs> I'm interested as you are going through and building the agency, how much do you include him in just from a information, not, not recruiting him to come into the yeah. industry or anything, <laughs> but how much... Um, of, I just took a screenshot because I wanted to get you when you were smiling, and Kyle made the oh. most hideous face ever. That I, <laughs> I was probably like, <laughs> "No, yours was fantastic." And I look okay. over at Kyle, I'm like, "I can't even post this." Smile <laughs> again. Yeah. I just look like an absolute creature. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna post this one while we're all laughing. That's a good uh, one. So anyhow, um, but talk about that. How do you? Yeah. How do you include him in that? And what you know. What's his interest level? Does he think you're nuts? Is he interested in what you're doing? Yeah. Because I see... I was going to ask you the same question about your kids. I So my son's 13, um, so we still have some time until he's a little bit older. But um, I do try and include him as much as I can in the business and the owning a business aspect. So for example, um, when we closed, when I bought a building, which was a big goal of mine, um, I brought him to the closing and he was there for me when we signed. And, you know, I want him to have exposure to, this is what it looks like to own a business and the lifestyle that it could bring the flexibility. And um, so I do like for him to see that, you know, whether it's insurance or not, I don't know, you know, but I, I want him to, I want him to be able to think about, um, you know, what it's you know, just owning a business and passive income and, you know, what it, you know, not being tied to a nine to five job. I think that's something I value and I really want him to see, you know, and that's not for everybody, but I do want him to see that that's an option in his life. Um, but he, it's funny. He's, he'll say things to me a lot. Like, I'm really proud of you, mom. You work so hard. You know, I'm a single mom. Um, and so, you know, I, and I have worked really hard to be where I'm at and it's nice, you know, he, he does recognize that, um, but it's hard. So I've just recently gone through a lot of um, estate planning um, just as a st- single mom. There's things, you know, I um, you wouldn't even think about, like if something were to happen to me, what happens to my business, our assets, um, how do I make sure that my son is cared for? And so I've done a lot of this recently. And so I've gone through the question of, so do I try and preserve, something were to happen to me today, do I try and preserve the business for my son for the next, you know, 10 years until he's ready, you know, or do, you know, who's ever entrusted to, you know, I have a trust and do they, you know, maybe they just try and sell the business right away, you know, and I don't really have family members that are, you know, I think would know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a lot of that I've had to think through recently. It's, um, it's, it's weird to think about. So it's, it's funny because right? we're actually, yeah. we're, we're, we're going in tomorrow to do the signing for hours. We'd like just put it together uh, over the holidays and it's like, They'll ask you questions and you're sitting there like, what? Like, who thinks about that? Or like, I didn't think about that. I don't know. What do most people do? Like, what's a normal, (laughs) what's a normal thing? Uh, You know, so it's it's funny that you bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, In our case, it's a different level of complexity with Ethan Ethan, because he's never going to be able to live on his own. So we have to consider, you know, long-term care for him and what that Mm -hmm. looks like and everything else. So, I mean, I I agree with you. I have never... um, 
if anything, I've pushed back for having my kids actually work at the agency. I want them exposed yeah. to it. I want them to right. see, mm-hmm. you know, here's here's what I do when I'm gone all the time. Right. You know, there is actually things, yeah. there's stuff that's going on and all of that. But Grayson really, um, he pushed me. He's, he's 19. He pushed me, pushed me, pushed me, and I, I wouldn't cave. And I made, I, I don't want to say I made him, but um, yeah. he, he worked at Publix in the grocery store for two years. That's good. And I told him. I, I want I said, that for my son, too. Yeah. I said, you need to do that. Mm-hmm. I said, because mm-hmm. if you, I think everybody should. I think everybody should work yes. restaurant, retail, grocery, something like that, so that you can learn to deal with the public yes. at their absolute worst, whether it's co-employees, yeah. horrible management, or the cl- yes. clientele themselves. Yes. You learn an invaluable mm-hmm. skill set just yes. by working a simple just job like that. Being in a work, yes, whatever it is. Yeah, I want that for my son too. And I, uh, you know, it's and I've had to work hard, and it, and he's used to a lifestyle now that you know. I keep telling him, you know, you this doesn't you know come easy. <laughs> you have right. to work hard, and so that's that's been a tough thing for me is for him to recognize this comes from hard work. You know, we have the life that we do, we travel, we do things because we work hard. And that's what I want him to see. And I want him to see, you know, that I feel like anyone that works at our office is lucky because it's an amazing environment. You're learning. It's a place where people can grow and learn. And I'm proud of that. And why wouldn't I want that for my son? You know, I want him to be exposed to the things that we do. And, um, but he, but I don't want him to take it for granted, you know, and that's the tricky thing. <laughs> well, the tricky thing too is if you're like me, you know, I want my kids to have whatever they, you know, whatever yes, they want. I yes, want to yes. be, I, I get, mm-hmm. I get satisfaction out of being able to make them happy. You know, at Christmas time, yeah. I don't care if I get a single gift. My joy is from giving to other people and just knowing that I made the, their day the best that it possibly could. That's mm-hmm. not cliche, people. That is the God's honest truth. Anybody real. who really knows me will tell you. I mean, Scott Howell has been trying to give me money or or a gift for over a year for some time that I spent helping him on an account or something. I don't even remember what it was, but it's it's become a joke now because he, he's now <laughs> reached out to my wife saying, hey, what can I do? And she's like, just don't, just don't Scott. When he tells just you... Don't. When he tells you he's happy to help and that's what he where he finds his joy, he's being a hundred percent serious when he says that. But I yeah. think it's a dangerous slope that we that we go down because, you know, my kids need to associate what they have with what yes. with the effort. And so right. even from a very early age, we will re- we will compensate them in some way. Not you know, look, I'm not I'm not a big fan of you know, I, I think there are things that you need to do because you live in the house. Like keep your room clean. Oh, yeah. You know, keep yeah. your clothes in the laundry. Those are non-negotiables. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do something above and beyond for us, like empty the dishwasher and put all the dishes away, or right. help mom clear off the table and go do the dishes and do this, make sure that the garbage is out and the cans are drugged down. Mow the yard. Jer- I, I could be a jerk and say, No, that's part of living here, but yes. truthfully that's more manual labor, and I want them to see, even yeah. if it's just on a smaller scale, what the reward is for putting that level of effort yeah. in. And so to that to that end, every single one of my kids has something they do at the agency when they come here. Yeah. It, it's just a matter of what it is. Ethan mops. He walks oh, the perimeter of the that. building looking for wasps' nests yeah. to make sure that we don't need to call the exterminator. The yeah. kid is ridiculous. He can see a wasp nest from a hundred yards away. Yeah. You know, That's Caroline a great likes. Idea. Yeah, Caroline likes to shred. Direct, yeah, 
they make that direct connection between what you're providing and like and the agency and their role in that. And it's That's fun awesome. to them, so it makes them want to come over yeah. here and uh-huh. that just gives them more exposures. So I think that's I think that's something that's really important. And and I think by and large, most of our peer group does a reasonable job of that from what I can tell. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. My so I had a funny story. My niece, so in the summers, she'd come and work for me. And um so she's a she's a twenty one now, but she started right like going into high school. It was the summer going into high school and she was gonna shred. So she spent all summer shredding for me. And one day she came in, she had this like big old ponytail in and she's <laughs> shredding and she leans over no. and the shredder took her whole oh, no. oh my God. and the shredder. <laughs> That's the worst. Oof. So this day, like one of our... It happened like, to you a lot, Dave? <laughs> no, it just reminds me of the story that I tell about the guy the that worked grinder. in my meat... Yeah, my meat department that got Ugh. his sleeve caught in a meat cuber. And he comes oh. up to the... Yeah, he comes up to the service desk toting the meat cuber with his mangled hand on the other <gasps> side of it. Because there's oh no way to reverse God. it. <laughs> it's the same thing with the shredders, man. Yeah. Well, comparable to a 14 year old going to high school, it was traumatizing for her. Right. Oh, I'm and sure. She lost her whole like ponytail going into oh. high school. Yeah. <laughs> so we were, she's stuck. Like she's stuck to it. And I'm like taking pictures, like, because it oh, was so a, funny. So, how did you get it out? Just have to cut her hair out of yeah, it? Yeah. We had to like oh, pull out as much as we could and then cut some out. Oof. It was traumatizing. I'm to sure. this day. I can't bring it up to her. It's really still still that bad. <laughs> no, huh? she can't. She's so bothered. Like she can't. Really, that's <laughs> funny. I, I would think I would yeah. be laughing at this point. But I think it's hilarious. Yeah. I think it's so funny. But right. yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. All right. Well, listen. We've been going an hour. I want to be respectful yeah. at least time. Um, I also it's have been nice. getting messages about a renewal for one of my clients that's going south real quick after oh, one mm. of my underwriters told me they already had the terms, which was a less than truth. So I need to go deal with that. Um, But anyhow, listen, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. I know a lot of people are going to benefit from listening to sort of what you've been through, if nothing else, realizing that, you know, acquisitions are are where it's at. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's definitely a cool way to grow. And I think, I think people throw that around a lot too. You know, I, I, I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure that every acquisition you've done over the last 10 years is not a multi-million dollar acquisition, right? No, like, they've all been about a million. Yeah. Right. And so mm-hmm. you, I think that we get so worried about keeping up with the Joneses. What I know is you did what you could manage, right? You, yes, you were able to easily manage uh-huh. that. You probably yeah. were stressed to a certain degree, but you're going to be debt free from that in a year. In one year. It's awesome. Yep. And all that's going to do <laughs> is perpetuate more for you to be able to do with that free yes. cash flow at that point. Yeah. But if you don't try and keep up with everybody else and you stay in your lo- own lane and you do what you can handle and you're patient enough to do that mm-hmm. incrementally, you're going to end yep. up probably ahead of the people who try and rush into things over the long haul. So all I can tell you is I wish you nothing but continued success. It's been cool to watch you grow. I love the fact that you include your son in everything that you're doing. I I watch that on social. Um, I'm a bit of a stalker. It's very rare that I don't (laughs) see things like people. People are like, well, I posted that two years ago. Yeah, I remember when you posted it two years ago. It's just one of my weird idiosyncrasies that That's I have. That's good, though. Yeah. I pay attention cool. for stuff like that. So I appreciate well, you I coming on. I love following you, too. You've been in, in our team. I Some of our producers follow you. You've been really inspiring to our whole team. Awesome. So Sounds good. That. Let me know when you want me to come to sales meeting. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool deal. 
All right. Well, listen, Kyle, sign us out, man. It's all yours. Cool. Hey, everybody. If you like this podcast, if you could do us a solid, leave us a review, maybe a like, subscription, it would go a long way. I think we're up to, what, 36 now. We've been going for two years. We're we're better than that, man. I mean, the thing that's crazy is we're getting like 20,000 downloads a month and we have less than 100 reviews on iTunes. I don't even know how It's weak. I mean, to be honest, it's weak. But, but it's stronger than it's stronger than our buddies. It. Like I, I, I compare myself to my buddies' podcast, and we what have the most. What do you compare to? Oh, I look at Cass, Hanley, Bradley, and Scott yeah. on insurance guys. Jason yeah. and Craig on insurance. So people dudes. can't be bothered mm-hmm. with the whole review thing. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. It's all right. Whatever. Cool. They probably <laughs> don't know everybody. that I pick we'll random people, and yeah, they probably don't know I pick random people and send them surprises. So there's that. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. we got their attention. All right, well, cool deal, go. everybody. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs>